Hello and welcome to Gaze Making, the podcast where I interview LGBTQIA creators and artists from all over the world. And uh, today I am here with Dan Montgomery, who is a light artist. The last time that I saw any of his work was actually at Lucio like two years ago here in Seattle. And I'm excited to have him on the podcast because I've known him forever. And then we reconnected at Lucio a few years ago. And so, yeah, welcome, Dan. How's it going? Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do most of my exhibitions with Lucio, but there have been some other things and I'm very excited to possibly exhibit again. So we'll see. And and I know that we're in the midst of like the decision making right now for Lucio. Yes. So Some artists are waiting on bated breath for what might yep. happen in August. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at least I don't have to wait any longer because I know that I didn't make it, which is fine. I'll have to ask but, you about your application. Then, at, yeah, at some point. Yeah, we can. Sure. But yeah, let's let's actually just talk about like since the last time that I saw you, have you worked on anything? I mean, I know it's been COVID times. I've been I did a lot of personal projects and what i mean by that is sort of like gifting art to friends and two of my friends opened businesses during the pandemic my my roommate opened a plant shop and a good friend of mine bought a bought the pioneer barber company so i placed art in both of those places just as a way of both having my art be out there but also kind of gifting to them a little piece of me and luzia also had a, a smaller event during the pandemic in pioneer square which was really nice because unlike typical Luzio events, you know, where we exhibit for like a night, sometimes two, this one lasted a month and a half. So I got to, the challenge there was that it was outside for a month and a half in December. So, but it it worked out. So I was very excited that it survived the rain and sleep. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. We're like 45 days. And yours was the one that was in Post Alley, right? It, It was not in Post Alley. It was, in, it was in an alley, but it was near the Merchant Cafe, which is kind of near First Avenue okay. as you're heading towards Pioneer Square. And that was, yeah, that was honestly like amazing place to have a piece of art. And many people don't imagine there to be anything in a lot of those alleys. And I, a lot of people mentioned that, you know, they, as they rounded the corner, they were just kind of like, whoa, what's that? Um, so it was challenging and fun. And I was... I was just excited to do something yeah. while everything was closed. And there's not a lot of things you can do as far as like an event is concerned because, you know, we're not able to really, especially in like December of 2020, it was kind of yeah. super tight, super closed down. So any excuse to, to make things made me happy. And I was, it was amazing to have an opportunity to do that even in the midst of all that and to build, you know, in the midst of all that. Yeah. So just since this is more of an audio medium, do you want to actually describe what your artwork was? Yeah, it was a uh, a UFO that was sort of like hanging off of a fire escape. So as you approach the UFO, it like a motion sensor kind of like detected you're getting close to it and a beam would kind of shoot into the ground and, you know, sort of illuminate your presence as you're getting close. So I wanted to have something that was interactive, but that you didn't have to like physically touch because that was kind of like not allowed. So you were able to interact with something, but still kind of be far away from it. And it follows kind of this theme that I've had with my art pieces, which is like very sci-fi, very, very sort of psychedelic, multidimensional, very colorful, all the things that I like to have in my pieces. So. Yeah, nice. And it's a yeah. continuation from my Luzio piece, the one that you probably saw, which was, you know, a similar sort of like sci-fi 
landscape. That one being more interactive because people could actually like lie down next to each other. Whereas this um, was just a continuation of that piece. And and the one that I uh, submitted an application for isn't is well, it's still a continuation of both of those things kind of going into something else. So nice. Yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to see it because I'm sure you'll get in. We'll see. Nothing is guaranteed these days. I, so. I I completely <laughs> understand that, but I'm excited to see it none, nonetheless. I'll be building I'll be building the piece regardless, just because I have I have other avenues to exhibit and plan to hopefully at Burning Man this year, even though there won't be a Burning Man, but there'll be people heading down to that location and it will need art. So yep. I'd be happy nice. to put something there this year as well. Nice. Yeah. So just to kind of describe the the piece as I remember it from, it, that was two years ago, I think, because I think I was still living in on Capitol Hill at the time. I was like just about to leave and I'm just about to go back now. But it was because it was, if I remember correctly, you had like carpeted or either that or the grass was really soft, like since since memory is a little weird but i remember it being <laughs> somewhat like pleasant and then you had places to lay down and then you had costuming that was on mannequins that had li- it was light up space helmets and then i think that it was syncing to music if i remember yeah, your correctly. memory is alarmingly good but i i would i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought otherwise yeah the the piece was titled the closest encounter and i wanted to portray a sense of like you know, aliens were around, but there wasn't anything disturbing or separate, you know, that they like people would, yes, they would sit down. There was pillows essentially on the ground, but the ground was pretty soft because it was like, it was in this sort of tree canopy, which was perfect yeah. because the canopy itself, which is why I love when Luzia was in Volunteer Park, because all these trees and all these canopies like reflect all the light that you have in there. And so yeah. in, on the tree was a large sound reactive heart and it wasn't necessarily music it was music but the emphasis was on this like steady heartbeat that you could you know it was like had enough bass that you can kind of like hear it and feel it but there there is not a lot of sound art because it just gets really noisy so i just kind of kept it really low and so you could kind of hear it and feel it and it it calms people down like if you're if you're hearing a heartbeat at a certain rate feels like you kind of synchronized to a little bit. And so I just wanted to portray this calming, connected space that people could feel that they could be present in, hang out with their friends. And and the mannequins are there to just sort of add a, an element of like sci-fi immersion. And I had created the space helmets before and exhibited them at one of the Luzio Conservatory events that they have, which are pretty amazing if, if you ever get go to one of those, because you're you're in these tighter spaces with all these plants, and there's all these like projected art. And so I was just happy to have something to put in there. And they, you know, they made a good addition to, you know, adding to a sort of a larger visual scape like that. Yeah. So nice. It it allowed yeah. me to sort of bridge a bunch of different pieces I was working on and had finished in some cases before. Whereas all the pieces I've created since have been like conceptualized on their own. This was sort of like a conglomerate of a couple ideas, but it yeah. worked out really well. I was happy with it and, and people Thanks. seem to respond to it well. So yeah, that's, that's really why I do it. You know, I'm just trying to have, just trying to put a smile on people's face, you know? And, 
Yeah, were you so for your inspiration for like the 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 sense of calming and communing really within in that shared space? Were you inspired by any of the research that people have done about how heart rates synchronize? Uh, I I didn't. I wish I would. I wish the answer to that was yes. It was more of just hearing from other people that that could or, or does happen the, the the heart piece which actually uh, people on camera can't see but you know i keep it on my wall it it's great because when you do synchronize it with a heartbeat or something like that what I, what i notice is as you increase the heart it does do something to you like at a, at a faster rate you feel a little more agitated you feel a bit more on edge but at a, on a slower rate you do feel more calm and so I, I definitely should, uh, you know, find the actual abstracts on that. But, but what people have told me is they definitely feel calmer and more relaxed when they're in the presence of both the sound and the light sort of pairing off each other, which is my, my favorite things to design are sound reactive pieces because there is something synesthetic about seeing music, hearing, you know, something and then, and then seeing light react to that in a variety of ways, not just like in a literal sense, but also like reflections and shadowing. And it's pretty amazing. I certainly react pretty strongly to it. And that's kind of what got me started was just finding ways to make it as crazy visually, sculpturally as I can. Nice. So, you know, playing off of that kind of idea of, of stenesthesia, <laughs> ah, I can't say it. I'm trying too hard. Anyway, playing off that idea of like the this the senses like inner inner playing with each other. You know, when coming with visuals as well as sound, there's a bunch of different ways that you can create that connection. And it seems like, at least from the work that I've seen, you choose to use LEDs for that. Why why do you choose LEDs over any other form of light? Just out of curiosity. Mainly because I like. I like sculptural pieces as much as, you know, I'm surrounded by these amazing, you know, projection light artists and, and other forms of mediums that use, you know, like matrix LEDs. And I, it's, 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 it's also within my wheelhouse. It's just like, I, the first few pieces I created were LEDs and they were using strips and I was just kind of like learning the process of how to program them and solder. And I just realized there's so much you can do with them. You can place them on edges. You can place them behind something. They're relatively flexible They're, You know, I can, I can put them outside and just waterproof them. Um, they work great in a variety of different sort of mediums, whether it's wood, plastic, metal. And yeah, it, again, it, it comes down to really like my, my love of sculpture when it comes to light art. So I, I found other things to use, but it's kind of like my main paintbrush. I, I just find that I can do so much with strips because they're relatively cost-effective, relatively, you know, like projects can get really ramp up and, 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 you know, it's also like I've done in my head, it's like somebody tells me a certain amount of lights that needs to be in a project. I'll know exactly you know, if it's five volt or 12, I'll know exactly how much power it's going to need and what I may need to bring or like what its capabilities might be. And so I can just keep expanding on that. Yeah. But it's not the end of my, you know, explorations of <laughs> what I want to build or insert into some of these pieces, but I'm still not done with yeah. that as my brush. So, but yeah, LED strips are, are just what I love. It's just 
And I have, you know, so many other ideas that I haven't even put to put to task yet. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, so, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to geek out for just a second on LEDs because I also like, I love working with LEDs. Please do. Please do. So what type of LEDs do you use? Like, is it the WS2812s, the dot star? Like, yes. I mean, um, I can... the WS2812s, these are my main uh, go-to. And it's like the dot stars are great, but their refresh rate is a little bit too much for a lot of the controllers that I use. So it's a little bit overkill. I And dot stars are also amazing if you're doing pieces that move because mm -hmm. they can form tracers and things like that in the dark, which are very pretty. Not my expertise, but definitely something that, that I thought of playing with. But yeah, just, you know, your standard, you know, NeoPixel or whatever yeah. Adafruit term is my, yeah, my go-to. Nice. Yeah. And usually 5-volt. I like to stay in the 5-volt range, mainly because it keeps my projects relatively easy to manage power-wise. For bigger for bigger pieces that run lengths. Like there's components of it that need to be 12, but for the most part it's five. And also I can convert things to wearables really easy when you're dealing with five volt, which I like to do wearables a lot too, so. Yeah, nice. What What's the, what is your favorite thing that you've ever made that is a wearable? My boots. <laughs> I have these moon boots that I wore to a couple festivals and they were just standard moon boots. Like they, I'm a six five, so it's, amazing to be in any space with a lot of people and a tall person being even more tall so eventually i'm like i'm wearing these boots so much i have to light them up and you know the boots i like use i like doing things on rigid components of wearables because mm -hmm. it makes it much easier to like fold them and not break things and yeah. so boots are just just make sense because there's not a lot of space for you to bend the boot in such a way that you might damage you know the lights and so after putting all the lights on, it was, I was very impressed with how it turned out and the, the batteries hide extremely well. I can barely even notice them. And they're just like, they're just ultimate wow factor. I mean, the, the helmets are fun, but you just can't wear those everywhere, you know, cause it's like covering your face. You might have a different, you know, you might have makeup on or something. You might have, you know, your hair done well. So but the boots can be worn in a lot of places. And currently, my friend George is borrowing them, but I can't wait to wear them again or, or design something similar so that I can put those to rest. So. Nice. Now, so for the for the helmets, did you did you use them for like COVID like, like oh, distancing no, no. at all? Because if you've got the visors and all, it no, feels actually, like it would be yeah. My my friend George, he he has he has a place near Capitol Hill and. He likes to he likes to use them for some of his window displays at where oh, he nice. lives. So he's he's had them for, for months, just having fun with them and, and doing things with them. And eventually I need my art to leave so <laughs> I can both have the space to work on new things and also just to kind of like force myself to to move on from it. So I, I tend to gift a lot of my stuff away. If it's, if it's been in my possession for too long, but yeah, I do miss, those were just fun. It's just like, I wore them at a couple of nightclubs and it's like, they're always a hit. Cause you know, once they synchronize the music, people just go crazy. You just, you're, you're forming this sort of like energy, you know, that, you know, existed on the floor before, but you know, you're just, you're just adding, you're just adding something to it.
Yeah, you're becoming like kind of a, an attractor of the of the energy and the energy swirls around you. I can understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to take off and borrow around, but no, didn't get a chance to really like use it as a COVID mask. That would have been <laughs> I could see, that could I could have been actually going, quite that could have been a quite good idea. Uh I mean go grocery shopping with it effective. on. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty effective. I mean nobody would have said like you still need a mask. I mean it's pretty pretty much covering your entire face. So Yeah. So let's see. Let's let's actually kind of continue talking about kind of the quarantine. We've like, you know, a lot of a lot of the places where I would go and get inspiration for my different art, um, you know, either were shut down or inaccessible during COVID. And I'm definitely one of those kind of creators that has to recharge very often mm-hmm. in order to keep creating. Yeah, me too. How did you do it? Well, I didn't make as much art as I normally would be ma- making. And part of that is I like making things sort of triggered from some sort of event mm-hmm. or, you know, usually every year, you know, I'm a part of a Burning Man camp. And so that would just automatically ask, you know, me and people that I work with to make, you know, pieces for either our camp or for other purposes that, you know, that we have bringing it art down there and having that be gone and other festivals away, you know, it's like, I'm not even creating totems. I'm not doing any wearables. So yeah, like I was saying, what, what helped was just these friends that had these new spaces that they've opened up business-wise that allowed me to basically use their walls and ceilings as sort of like canvases to, to put stuff in. And that was amazing because without that, I would have been pretty annoyed. But as far as, you know, seeing inspiration kind of in the midst of this, yeah, it's, it was rough. Like festivals and other shared space events with human beings where we're dancing or we're just, you know, in the same environment together, sort of having art around us is sort of my main of inspiration. And like virtually none of that was available. So, you know, you just, but you get antsy and you just want to build something sometimes. And, you know, I, I sometimes just look for excuses to do that. And I had a couple excuses, so I was happy, but, um, certainly not in a capacity where I'm satisfied, just sort of, I felt like I just topping off a little bit from where I'd like to be, but. Yeah, I, I completely get that. Like, I think I, I'm two things, no, three things. Cause I was involved in the COVID house of horror show, but yeah, I basically three things in a year is not nearly enough for me, but mm-hmm. I'm, I made a film. I did an installation. I did two installations. That was my year. And I mean, the film was basically just me like dealing with my mental health issues. The Oh, I need to see this. Oh, it's it's on my website. I'll send I'll send cool. you the link. I'm not plugging myself here, so I'll send you the link individually. I'll plug yourself as uh, much as you want. No, no. Like I, I'm here to to lift up other people, not to lift up myself. But yeah, and then I I kind of at the beginning of COVID, I used to, you know, I was working for a data visualization company at the time. And and we were kind of like the collecting all of the data for the United States for COVID, COVID cases, testing, that kind of stuff. And we were just like creating this this portal of data. And so I was like, well, what can I do with that data? And I had a manic, just like a mannequin bus that I bought from like architectural salvage down in, which I don't think it exists anymore, but down in Soto. And that's awesome. Every, every, every artist needs at least one mannequin in their life. 
Right. Yeah. Regardless um, of their medium, you know. <laughs> I I spent I spent like easily two weeks like almost nonstop scraping the paint off of it to get it into a good shape, like a good blank canvas for myself because it had like this really gross kind of latex paint on top of it. And then I projected data visualizations about COVID and the spread of COVID onto the front of it and just put that in my window. My neighbors think I'm weird. It's okay. Good. This is why I'm moving back to the hill because like... No, no. Let your neighbors think that you're strange. I mean, mine certainly do. It's like you come by where I live and, you know, it's unmistakably something is going on in there. Just like lights happening in different ways all the time and... Yeah, I've gotten now. It's just obvious because I've got I've just got pride lights on right now, so just like okay, it's it's on brand. But yeah, let them let them eat cake. Yeah, I mean, I I do have an aerial rig in my living room where I do silks. <laughs> so like with the windows all, all open, so like whatever. Let them think whatever about that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm 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 totally fine. It's gonna move out to the living room or to the to the front yard soon. As soon as the weather is actually consistent. I'm always inspired when I see households of, you know, it doesn't even have to be like art in their minds, but anybody that has lighting or some sort of like special type. And then like, I'm talking about like outside of like the holiday umbrella. Um, Just, you know, even if it's like people putting up a few hues in their main window and, you know, judging up their plants or something outside, just, I always appreciate that. So yes people listening do do more with your lighting your neighbors will appreciate it even if they act weird when they see it yep i 100 percent agree with that like like make your house unusual because mm-hmm. cookie cutter houses or apartment complexes kind of suck so. they don't have to yeah you can make them spi- you can make them spicy yeah exactly and it doesn't take much right doesn't yeah, a couple spotlights, you're all good. Let's see, what, out of all of the stuff that you've created, what is your favorite installation? So like not wearable, so we can kind of move away from that. And then conversely, what is one thing that you really, not regret, but like the way that it came out was just so off of what your vision was that it was... Like, it feels like a failure, even though, like, I don't think any art is failure, but like, when things deviate so much from your vision, that can feel like (laughs) failure. I'm going to give you a surprising answer because it's the same piece for both answers. So my favorite piece that I've created thus far was also a heart, but it was a three-dimensional heart that I used as a a topper to a 30-foot dome that we have when we bring it down for Burning Man. And it's so high up because you're placing it on top of another really high structure. And you can imagine it's like it's tent pulled out almost like six feet in the air. And then this like huge heart is like displayed outside of it. And which is also sound reactive. Although when you're viewing it at a distance, you're not aware of the music aspect of it, but you know something is pumping at that location. And I, I love that piece so much because it just lasted years. It like you're imagining having anything out there just being dusted and blasted, and and I just loved it for its durability. It's also one of the reasons why it was sort of a failure in of that it I it had needed constant maintenance. And what I mean by constant maintenance, so I originally 
I designed it with my my ex, and we did it out of um, it's like metal. And I'm not a welder, but I can braze metal. You know, you can like melt softer mm-hmm. metals or whatever. And so we made it out of this like metal cage, and just kind of chicken wired over that for strength. And then inside of it, inside this cage, is all these like lights, and then there's lights kind of on the outside, all strips, mm-hmm. as you know, but very complicated in its conception. And that's what made it frustrating was that I designed it without thinking about how I was going to maintain it over the years. And so like every year I would have to literally like cut open this heart. We like open heart surgery and replace things inside of it, you know, you know, rebraze the outside. So it kind of, I was really, I was really upset by the end of it, how much work it took just to keep mm-hmm. everything going but it was so amazing to look at. So eventually, I think this year, I want to recreate it, but not out of metal. Nice. <laughs> or make it like have a hinge or something to open up so I can I can work on it and, and still have it be somewhat structurally sound. But yeah, I learned a lot from that. And you know, if you're gonna, if you if your projects are gonna not just kind of be throwaways, um, you need to think about like the long-term strategy of, of maintenance. And, and that's, I mean, that's a challenge in and of itself with all of our light pieces because yeah. they break down, they're electronic, you know, they succumb to the elements, you know, strips themselves are just notoriously Fragile. annoying to work with. And yeah. you have to, you have to be very aware of like your joints and all of, all of, all of how you put things together is critical. So I've, I've gotten really good at, just making absolutely sure nothing moves where it shouldn't and pieces that are soldered have just the the most protection possible so that you know there's no shorts later yeah Um, well and solder is such a tenuous like physical connection anyway like you have to back it up right to make sure that it doesn't mm -hmm. like when it bends it doesn't actually break so like i get that I love soldering though. I get into flow. I mean, if people get into flow at different parts of their art and for me, the process of soldering, when you have, you know, my, my process is like, I lay things out, I get them like some structurally like close together. So they're not moving. And then I start the soldering process. And then once I start that process, I sort of get into this, you know, flow. It's just like you, the world around you just sort of disappears. Your breathing changes. You may be listening to music, but like I, I got to get into this mode where time just sort of like slips away, and it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I it's absolutely the, the, my most favorite part of a project, especially when you, like you finish. I'll usually like test each joint like one at a time, but sometimes the flow gets like so I, I get lost in it that I've done like four or five joints without testing, and I panic. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> how far along am i where i need to make corrections you know so cool well i think i think we're at a good stopping point i usually like to ask people if they would like to if there's anything that they want to plug immediately or any last words for the audience i mean nothing nothing imminent to plug i mean i'm hoping to exhibit at luzio this year and if, if that's the case and you know even if even if i don't exhibit i'll almost likely be there and you know supporting fellow artists and yeah so please you know attend attend these events attend these events where you know small local artists like myself and yourself you know have these opportunities to exhibit and yeah patronize my my friends businesses if you want to see my art and 
One of them is uh, Seattle Plant Daddy, run by my roommate, wonderful roommate Joe, and my other friend, Pioneer Barber Company, if you need a good haircut. And I have my art in both places, so you'll be able to see some old work of mine, and I hope to hope to get the new ones out this August. So. Awesome. And I will put links to both of those places in the show notes so that people cool. have access to them um, and can find them. Um, yeah, and, and similarly, if you if, if there are people listening or you know yourself have friends that have small businesses locally, I'm very eager to you know support you know our, our queer businesses and our local businesses and just sort of collab. So if you've got wall space and you are looking for a certain design, you know I'm I'm literally always wanting to create something. So I'm happy to you know make things for people that that have space and have an idea. So. Nice. And uh, I would love to collaborate with you on some things. Uh, we've talked about that in the past. Uh, now I that would, yes, I would. Now that we're now that the snow is melting on, you know, metaphorically. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm vaccinated and like, I'm, I'm ready to start getting back out there and, and doing stuff. I'm another collaborator that I'm meeting with later or next week, basically, to talk about projection on water. So that's oh. like, kind of going to oh. be our, our next medium i can i if you want to join us um, yeah actually yeah okay. send me send me something about that yeah. again i'm not an expert on projection light work but i love it it's gorgeous the more it's, i can learn about this stuff the better yeah it's a, a learning experience for all three of us so yeah let's let's do that i will i will touch base with all three of us and and get it scheduled i think it needs to happen on tuesday because he's going out of town after that so for at least through the week but so yeah Anyway, we'll talk. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. It's great to catch up and, and kind of hear about your process. And uh, yeah, if if you like the show, please wait, rate and review. That helps us get in front of more people. I think that's what I'm supposed to say. I don't know. Uh, yes. You know, <laughs> support, support, you know, local creators of all types. We, you know, keep each other in, you know, in the orbits. So Yep. The more, the better. 100%. So anyway, thank you so much. And uh, bye, everyone. Yeah. Happy June. Happy summer. Happy Pride. Yes. Happy Pride. Hello, this is Editor Grayson. And I realized that I forgot to mention that you can find all of the information about this episode on gazemaking.com. And please do rate and review us on uh, iTunes, um, Stitcher. No, we're not on Stitcher. Spotify and all the different places where you could possibly review us and rate us. Gaze Making is a Party Fish Media podcast hosted and produced by Grayson Hay. Intro and outro music by Curtis Skinner. Party Fish Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliot Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.